Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Friday, December the 30th, 2022. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can show an Apple podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G. Mike Silvat, TalkingMetsPodcast.com, and I want to welcome in the good folks from the fan-sided podcasting network, as well as RisingApple.com. Happy New Year, happy early New Year to all of you as I come to you on this Friday, and look, nothing is more humbling than to get tweets from some of you that say, hey, I need more podcasts, I need more Mike Silva, Uh, where are you? And quite honestly, I wasn't sure I was going to come to you, and I also think that this kind of show... The minute I put this up, here's what's going to happen. The minute I put this up, it's going to go stale because this is a short. I'm not coming to you for very long, and I know I say that, and then I go on for 40 minutes, but I don't think we need to go on for 40 minutes here. This is a short. This is a state of the union. This is not what I was expecting to do when I was planning out the holiday week. Hope everybody, by the way, had a great Christmas, great Hanukkah. As uh, This is that week where I think everybody's kind of like mentally – you know, dialing down, taking a step back before we rev up and gear up for the new year. And that's important. Remember that because that happens in baseball too. And I'll get to that point in a minute. But what I wanted to do is kind of come to you and and share what I see going on with the Carlos Correa situation. A little bit that I know. I know a very little bit, but I do know a little bit. And maybe give you some perspective. And, and really, and I think Matt Cerrone, formerly a Mets blog, was on Twitter last night and putting a lot of stuff out there about the media. Really start to hammer home how important it is for you as you consume your baseball news to put everything in context. And it stinks that we have to do this. But to put everything in context of what you're reading and hearing because it's the business that's agitating you and it's the business that's misleading you and it's the business of media that I think is part of the problem and and creating a lot of misinformation. Not purposefully, I think, all the time. I think some of it's ignorance, but I also think it's because of the media model, the business model that is necessary to keep the lights on. But 
Let me first start with this whole Correa situation by saying, I know you're frustrated. I know you're frustrated. Here it is. It's, you know, tomorrow's New Year's Eve. Then there's New Year's Day, which will be a dead zone day for news. And nothing's happened since it came out that the Mets, a little over a week ago, and we had our, you know, emergency podcast signed in the middle of the night after the physical broke down with the Giants. The Mets signed in the middle of the night, Correa to 12 years and $315 million. Everybody was applauding Steve Cohen. And then sometime around, well, maybe Christmas Eve or right before Christmas Eve, we hear that the Mets doctors or the MRI after the physical that Correa went to, they had some concerns about this supposedly, we this because again, we're really violating HIPAA laws here. Um, supposedly, the plate, his ankle from an injury from when he was in the minor leagues is causing some uh, issues and the same issues, apparently, that the Giants had. And Boris did not want to work down the road with the Giants on the issue. He is working down the road with the Mets. Now, that's an important part here because I think everybody is thinking that negotiations are still going on. And I guess they are, but really they're not. And I and I forgive. And if you're listening to the show, I want to apologize profusely to this Twitter follower of mine because I could not find your tweet from yesterday. I know you tweeted me yesterday. And you compared – and I was trying to find the right comparison, but you compared signing a free agent to buying a house. And I thought, I think your name was Rich. And again, I should be a little bit more able to find these things, a little more intimate with the listeners. If you could tweet at me, if you're listening to this show, tweet at me. I'm, I'm thanking you for the analogy because it was appropriate. So if you bought a house, and I'm sure many of you have in the audience – you go and you look at the home and your real estate agent brings you through the home and then you go back and your real estate agent and their real estate agent go back and forth. That's your agent. They're your Scott Boris. And you negotiate a price and all this other stuff. And finally, you come to an agreement. Okay, I'm going to buy this house for $500,000, whatever, $400,000, whatever you know the market is at the time. And um, you sign the paperwork and obviously there's contingencies. It's based on inspection. You put some money down that you could get back in escrow, all this fun stuff. And then you get to the inspection, and they find this and that and the other thing. And then sometimes even at the table, there's things that go on or throughout the process, you know, title issues, all these things that potentially could break the deal apart. And until that exact moment that you sign the final paperwork and the bank sees the funds come through, the house is not yours. The house is not yours until that moment. The house is still the prior owner's house. You've agreed to the deal in principle. So what is it in New York at least? Sometimes it takes three months unless you're paying full cash here to, to get a mortgage through. I, I haven't bought a house in a few, quite a few years, about seven or eight years, but that's what it's always been for me, and I've done a couple of transactions in my life. It's really no different with baseball free agency. Think of Adam Adovino. I said it right. There you go. Let's have a party. He signed uh, right before Correa, and I think the deal and the roster spot and everything was finalized what, right before Christmas, right after Christmas maybe, maybe earlier this week. So you had about a week in between. So was he a Met? In principle, he was. The Mets needed to figure out the roster spot. They needed to go through the contract. There is a thing in the contract called Paragraph 2. I mean, the Major League Baseball contracts are standard with the language. It's the Paragraph 2. It's the goodies. It's the player opt-out. It's the language of different things that are creative to that player that need to be worked out. Now, they're worked out verbally and in principle – because you don't want to have to go through the paperwork and the legal stuff, and then you know the guy's going and talking to five other teams. 
So you agree in principle, and then it's pending a physical. And really, the physical is kind of like the home inspection here. And now two teams have said, you know, I think the plumbing in this house, it's good. There's never been an issue, but I see some burgeoning problems that over a 30-year mortgage contract may come into play and can be expensive. So you as the homeowner say, hmm, I still want this house. You could walk away at that point. You could absolutely walk away and so can the owner if you don't make reasonable demands. But I think where you're at is Correa's, in the best analogy goes back, I don't know if Correa was willing to go to San Francisco, especially when he knew that the Mets were that interested, how Cohen swooped in and made it public at the last minute. Unless that he was getting what he was entitled to in his mind, which is $350 million to play shortstop. The Mets came in beneath, but the gap with the delta of $35 million or so was not, it was not significant enough to sway him to say, let me let the Giants work through this, like he's doing with the Mets. Now, you could come back after you kind of go through your, you know, with your engineer and say, look, I want you to replace this and that. And then the guy goes, look, you're asking me to do $200,000 worth of work. I'm not doing that. That's your problem. I'm willing to give you this. And then either you decide that it's worth it or walk away. And that's where you're at. So you got to remember that whole part here. The transactions are not official until the roster spot is opened up, through the paperwork is signed. The only reason you think it's official is because the media comes out, says the Mets have agreed in principle with so-and-so for you know X amount. Oh, he's on the team. It's really not. Now, 99% of the time when those get announced, when those get leaked, they, they happen. You know, physicals, you know, many years ago, there was a trade in the NBA, if you guys remember. I think it was 1994. Sean Elliott went from the Spurs to the Rockets. The year the Rockets won the title, beat the Knicks. Sean Elliott never played for the Rockets because the, the deal got rescinded because he failed a physical. I think he had a kidney issue. I'm trying to remember what uh, Sean Elliott. He got very sick. He was a very good player. He got very sick at some point. So the deal was official, and then it wasn't. You know, physicals get failed. Uh, the Yankees in 1996 made a deal. Uh, I think it was the deal where Graham Lloyd came over and Ricky Bonus, coach for the Mets. Pat Listash, I think, even played for the Yankees. And there was issues with one. I think it might have been Listash or Bonas. Maybe Bonas had a bad shoulder, bad arm. And there was some kind of compensation after because after the deal was made and stuff like that. I know there's been another deal where a player was sent over and got hurt. I thought it was San Diego maybe was accused of sending somebody over. I can't remember who it is now. And maybe there was some compensation. Maybe the Marlins. It doesn't matter. But things are not really official until they're signed. And that's where we're at with Correa. So this idea right now, and I'm going to tell you what I do know. This idea that there's a stare down and they're like, Boris is on his end saying, well, when you're ready to sign the contract, we're coming. We're giving you a clock, though. And the Mets are on this side saying, we're not doing anything. That's just not true. And I know that for a fact. What the Mets and Boris are trying to do, from what I understand, they're trying to get an independent medical evaluation of this ankle so that the Mets could feel comfortable and Boris's point of view about Correa's health can be validated. That's it. And to do that, in between Christmas and New Year, by the way, I know that these are very wealthy companies. Like, oh, they could just get a private jet. And Major League Baseball offices are closed, for the most part, from what I understand. Or if they are open, it's on a limited basis. The doctors or the independent medical uh, individuals, they don't, you know, even if they work for the, they're not working for the team. These are individuals independently. 
they have other things that they do. They have other business to do. They're not running and waiting for the Mets to call, even if there's a big paycheck. These are important guys. These are not like, you know, they're not calling up their HMO looking for some random doctor in, in Manhattan. They're going to the luminaries of the industry. So all that takes time. And then I'm sure they're going to look at medicals. They may even want to meet with Correa. Who the hell knows where he is? So that's where they're at. Now, when this comes out, has all that been done? I don't know if it's been done. I don't know if it's even been done yet. It may not be done until after New Year. It's possible. I know you don't want to hear that. It's possible. I don't know that for a fact, but it's possible. So you got to chill out and calm down. And if any clickbait comes out there, it's false. There is no stare down. There is no, you know, other teams could call and say, what's up? Do you want to talk? But it's, it, that's all it is. And now, look, if the Mets are told, just like when you buy a home, that this is, look, from this, from a respected individual, that this is a problem. And in years six, seven, eight, nine, ten, this guy is going to be crippled, a la David Wright, and you're going to be paying him out. I don't even think he's going to get – they probably can't insure that because it's a pre-existing condition just like the back. There's a ton of risk with this kind of contract. That's with any contract. And you can say, well, the owner's rich. You could absorb it. You don't know what the economy is going to be like in five years. You don't know what the payroll is going to be like. You know, In five, six, seven years, if Correa's, uh can't play because of this and there's a big free agent or a big transaction that the Mets can't make because of the fact that they didn't do their due diligence. You're all going to be whining, complaining, and calling for the owner's head and say, oh, Billy Epler should have known. So, like, you're living in the moment because you want immediacy. We know how good the player is. We know how dynamic he is, and we know how good he makes the Mets. And I haven't even gotten to the point where, by the way, technically, there's not a roster spot for this guy. Now, yeah, you know, you could you could dump any of the – you could dump the Rule 5 guys and the, and the waiver wire pitcher pickups, Sosato, whatever – but maybe they don't want to do that. Maybe they say, I need pitching depth. You know, oh, dump Khalil Lee. That sounds good. He goes on waivers. He will be picked up. But you have no out- outfield depth as it is. You got to have players that could competently play these positions, even if you don't think they're any good. Depth is depth. You know, the, right now, the biggest challenge the Mets have is they don't have a lot of wiggle room on the 40-man roster. So if they do make moves for depth purposes, it's going to be minor league, uh, uh, you know, signings, non-roster signings with invites to spring training with a possibility to make the team and then get a major league contract. Not many, you know, on a team that's really good with not a lot of opportunity, not a lot of veterans are going to want to do that because even if they get paid a lot to be a triple-A, they want to be able to play enough where they could get a decent contract going forward. So they might be working on a trade, too. To open up a spot. Maybe it's Escobar. Maybe it's rough. I don't know. That's the lesser of, from what I understand, the issues. So all this together, like normally you would say Mets have agreed in principle to this. Now They've already done that. So you're not going to hear anything about this until it is 1,000% official, which in other scenarios is just the fait accompli. So you don't really pay attention to when it's official because you know it's official. And then when it happens, oh, yay, it's official. Like So you're waiting for them to say, we've done this. We, we've agreed to this. It's going to be official soon. No, that's not going to happen here. And I personally, and this is a total opinion, no information on this, I don't think you're going to get it till after New Year. If you do get it, it's going to be really quick in the next maybe 24 hours. Maybe if you don't get it by mid-morning New Year's Eve – and I do not think that's going to happen. And let me tell you another thing. 
they may have come to some agreement until it's the paperwork and legalese is done. And I mean signed, sealed, and delivered, delivered. This team ain't leaking. What you're learning about this organization, that unlike the past, there is no leaks coming out of this team. Billy Epler, let me tell you, Billy Epler could be standing behind City Field. It could be burning. And the, and the media could say, you have a fire in your office. And he's like, no, I'm not. Who said that? We're working through whatever the situation may be. And it's going on because he's, he's Stonewall, man. He's Stonewall. And that's what's needed in this situation. And I think you're seeing all winter, and I want you to – this is why I don't want you to worry. Not, not because I'm telling you I have some, some – not gut feeling, information that says don't worry right now. Now, can things go bad with a medical? Absolutely. Something could have happened where they're going to tell the Mets, look, you're going to get X number of years. This thing is going to be a problem year Y. The Mets will say, look, Scott, this is what I could do, and Scott's like not good enough. That's, there's no reason why Correa would want to not be with the Mets, and I'll get to that in a minute. Um, the Mets have not leaked anything. Or did you know? You heard thought Nimmo was a goner, and then Thursday night a few weeks ago at nine o'clock at night, oh, Mets signed Nimmo. Oh, they signed Robertson. You're like, whoa. Maybe you had an inkling about Verlander because there was smoke there for a while and leaks, but you know, the Grom came out of nowhere. You didn't even really know. We don't even really know how the Degrom negotiations truly went. Quintana, you didn't even know they were talking. You know, all these minor trades, no smoke, nothing. And everything you've been given from the mainstream media has been speculation. And I think part of it now is everybody knows the business of rumors that, and Boris does this all the time, that the agents will use the media to drum up interest in their clients. And I think a lot of the, especially the new age GMs, they know how negative it is to have the media involved in your negotiations. You know, that's 101. And they want to be able to negotiate and have a clean negotiation and not have other peripheral things come up that make it either harder for them to close a deal or make it more expensive. And Matt Cerrone brought this up yesterday. I mean, right now, you have a couple of insiders you trust. I think Martino's very connected to the Mets. I think John Heyman clearly is connected to the owner. But that's it. I mean, the beat, forget it. They don't got any info. Mike Puma's been on the show, a nice guy and everything. He's, his articles are specul- educated speculation. And I'm not saying he doesn't have any information or sources, but it's like me talking to a secondary person or a tertiary person. Kind of like what I do. I mean, I don't get directly information. Billy Apple is not on my speed dial. I know that it's good. If I tell you it, it's good, it's good. But I'm also telling you, hey, it's down the food chain. Anybody who's in an environment, even a baseball team, there's scuttlebutt around the campfire in an office environment, in a business, in a, in a company, things like that. So it's like the telephone game. The media is getting the telephone game, and they're getting little dribbles of the telephone game. Now, Heyman may know something, and Boris might be saying, hey, you cannot say anything. But I think they've gone stone cold dark. Even Cohen. They're probably saying, Cohen, you shouldn't have said we signed him. But, you know, Steve Cohen is a, a showman, I think, as much as anything, in his own way. I mean, he truly is, and we've talked about it. He truly is a modern-day Steinbrenner, but a more calculated Steinbrenner 
uh, and less bombastic, although his his words may not be bombastic the way he says them. They turn out to be very bombastic because of the impact it has on the team and the sport and what have you. So there you have it. That that's the information there. It's simply getting an independent medical individual to figure out how serious this ankle is and what is the risk mitigation that needs to happen. Morrison and Correa say X. Mets are saying, hey, I need some kind of uh, validation here. And I'm sure the Giants are sitting back going, well, why didn't we get that opportunity? Tells you didn't want to play for them. Now, I've had people in the sports say, hey, Manfred wanted to direct them to New York, like all NBA conspiracy stuff that goes on, which may be true, but Look, maybe Correa got the, you know, Mets got in late. Correa says, damn, I, you know, from a business perspective, I agree. Boris going down a long road with a team and then switching to the Mets last minute is a bad business practice from an ethics standpoint. You know, these agents, especially Boris, they're controlling the players more than you think. A-Rod's basically said it as much. He's right, though. I mean, if you're negotiating, there is certain ethics even if you want to go somewhere else, the Mets jumped in late. Cohen said that in the negotiations. There's certain ethics you have to apply because as a reputation in the industry, you don't want to harm it. Even for and, – and Boris is wealthy enough where he'll get another $300 million client. So Correa has to play that, that game. But when the opening presented itself, they jumped right in. Heyman, I think, did a good speculative article last night where he said, hey, look. The guy literally tackled Boris after learning he came to the Mets. He's got his buddy playing shortstop. He is moving off a primary position to play third, which, let's face it, from a for a guy that has the kind of injury he had, has, playing third base will help him. It's a less demanding position. Um, do you really think he wants this to fall apart? And by the way, financially, even though Minnesota's sitting behind there and was heavily involved in the first and the second round of negotiations, you think they're going to give him a 10-year, $285 million deal? Or a 12-year, $300 million deal? Of course not. The Giants had an issue, and the Mets have an issue. Wealthier, way wealthier teams. You think small market Minnesota, who, if they're wrong and this guy's dead money, you think they could absorb that? The Mets could at least pretty much absorb it. Maybe the Giants. The Twins can't. So now you're looking at, okay, do I swoop in? Am I the Yankees who are already saying they can't sign anybody because they don't want to go above the threshold of the Cohen tax? Do I swoop in and give them a two-year deal worth you know, $95 million, $100 million, three-year deal, 110 You could do that because maybe the doctors are saying, hey, you're good for the X number of years. But Correa doesn't want that. Correa doesn't want to go back out in the market again in two or three years. You know, He wants his $300 million bucks. Now, if the Mets are totally saying, hey, that's all I'm going to do, and then the Twins are saying it, maybe he's like, listen, if I'm going to do that kind of deal, I'm going to do it at shortstop. I ain't playing it. You know, I love you, Francisco Lindor. I really want to be in New York. I want to win, but I'm not doing it, you know, you know uh, to play third base. That's possible. Again, that's all speculation, but that's very educated speculation from the information that we know. So... Will Correa sign today? Will he sign tomorrow? My guess is this is going to get done. There may be some paragraph two language or some kind of protection that the Mets put in there that's reasonable. It's I, I would be shocked if Correa and Boris agree to any money off the table or any less years. I don't think that's even an option. And I think if you're playing in the, in the realm where the Mets say we can only do a higher AAV, shorter term deal, then I think the deal will be off. 
And I think Correa is going to go somewhere like the Twins where he could play shortstop. And then he could go back into the market in a couple of years and do this all over again. Although as he gets closer and closer to 30, you know, that, you know, you don't know what, you don't know if you're Correa, what the market's going to look like. I mean, he's a great player. All indications are that he's going to be a great player in two years and he'll get an elite contract. But he'll be, he'll be more 29, 30 years old. I know you could say Aaron Judge, this and that, but he's playing a middle infield position. And the existing condition of that ankle is not going to get any better. Right now, his market was built on being an elite shortstop. His market was built on that whole concept. He's signing a contract to be a third baseman, still an elite elite player, but the position is looked at differently. And if he's an elite shortstop for two years but still may have to be off the position because of that pre-existing condition, they're not going to pay him appropriately. This is his chance to get a $300 million deal. He's not getting a 12-year deal at age 30. I know you say, Mike, you're crazy because other guys are, are getting paid to 40. I think what you see with the spread out payments and the big years, I think this is a 2022 thing. I think one of these deals is going to go bad. Somebody's going to get burnt, and you know the industry is a copycat industry, and they're going to run away from it all. You know it. I mean, it's as simple as that. Simple as that. So that's what I got for you guys. I'm not here to give, you know, this idea of the percentages. Oh, 51, 55, 50. We didn't, a sport that talks about how smart it is now with how they could, they could, they could pinpoint a pitch to the, the, the centimeter. You know, they know everything what goes on with spin rate. They're throwing out random out of your you-know-what percentages of him signing when they don't when the team is not even leaking. You have no idea. Why report that? I know Puma did it, and then he backtracked a little in the next article. And then I love Pat Ragazzo. He I don't know if he was being trying to be funny, you know, because 51-49. Nobody knows. Here, I'll give you a percentage. I think it's 60-40. I don't know. I mean, we all do that in our life. Well, that's, you know, I think it's a 50-50 shot that this happens. It, it's not scientific. It's gut feeling. And you can never be wrong when you do that. Never. So, that's what I got for you guys. I mean, that's what's going on with Carlos Correa. It's no more complicated than the baseball transaction is complicated. You're trying to do it. During a holiday week, you're adding the complexity of a very serious situation that needs to be vetted out with professionals. I mean, nobody, you know, you think big time orthopedic surgeons are sitting by their phone waiting for the Mets and Astros to call? Well, they, you know, this is baseball. They can just pay all this money. Nobody wants to pay unnecessary money when something could get done three or four or five days later because you as a fan want it done because you want to be able to be happy on New Year's Eve and go, yay, Correa. Or because the media is sitting around wants to write something. That's their problem. That's our problem. That's not, that's not the way businesses are run. That's not the way $315 million contracts are done. You know, I hear fans, I'm going to be mad. I, I saw something yesterday about you know, the fans are getting angry at Correa. Why? He'd sign the contract tomorrow. It's the Mets who are trying to do due diligence. Oh, Cohen's rich. He has all the money. 
you understand how much $300 million is? I know it's monopoly money in, in, in the baseball world, and I know it's monopoly money for us talking about it and tweeting about it and blogging about it, whatever you want to call it, writing about it. But it ain't monopoly money. It, it's a lot of money, and it takes a lot for someone to earn that money. It's more money than I'm going to ever see in my entire life. You know, we got to grow up a little bit. I got to be honest. And that's not just the fans. That's the media. You know, sometimes we get silly here on this show, too. We're all guilty of it. We got to grow up. So that's the deal. Complicated transaction. Outsiders need to get involved. A roster spot and machinations that need to be done. A team that does things professionally. Lawyers involved. You know, what more bureaucracy could you ask for when lawyers are involved? Billy Epler doing his thing. Now, you know, Billy's now taking it over. He's telling Steve, just shut up. I'm, I'm going to do this thing. You know, we're going to get the transaction done. And that's when it's done, but the nuts and bolts way, not the news cycle way. So that's it. So anyway, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to another season of Talking Mets. I have no idea how quickly this will go stale. If you get a chance, I did some fun things. I always do this every few years, but go to my Twitter feed, at Mike Silva Media. I threw up a poll. It's pinned up there. I'd like to know what your favorite part of the show is. I kind of put the four different things that uh, I do, the hard-hitting opinions, the interviews, the media accountability, and then the historical perspective. I'd like to see what you guys enjoy. So far, less than 24 hours in, Almost half of you enjoy the hard-hitting opinions, which really makes me happy that and humbled that you will spend your time, sometimes over an hour, listening to me just talk. It used to be where I felt like if I didn't have another person with some cachet that I wasn't enough. That was many years ago. I've learned that I'm as good, and I'm not being arrogant here. I'm as good at providing context and opinion because I research things. I may not be in the clubhouse, but I'm going to tell you, as time has gone on, these organizations, they are doing they're, – they're, the media interaction, whether in the clubhouse or whatever is required of them, is half-ass effort. They're just doing it to check the box. You're not getting as much. You have to really do good, what I call gumshoe work. You know, look at a John Heyman. He got connected with Cohen, and Cohen trusts him. It's not, that's not easy to do, and you don't need a press pass to do that. You do, but you don't. You could get it done. I mean, journalists now are doing Substack uh, subscriptions and – Breaking stories. World is changing. Look, you guys may have a strong opinion about Matt Cerrone, but what, what he did or didn't do at Mets blog, but he called a lot of this stuff many, many years ago. And a lot of what he in the media, from a media perspective, did to pioneer with Mets blog, right place, right time, but he, he had the foresight to do it, um, has come true, really come true. And you're seeing it all play out during this Correa thing. All the bad about media all the good about how the news cycle works and makes it the sport fun and grows the sport. But the lack of understanding of how this sport works and how the business side works and the fact that it's not even talked about by members of the beat, that there's a beat writer or a writer for a major paper say there's a stare down, even though it might have been just a throwaway line to kind of get a, a people to click through, you're miss, you can't do that. It's your obligation as a member of the media. On radio, we can do like a corny headline because people are not taking us seriously in that vein. You have to be better if you're writing for a paper. You have to be better if you're covering the team. You have to be better if you are looked at as a source of information and respected information. And if I could hold myself to those standards, when I have, you know, 
I'm not, I'm not here to break news. I'm here to provide opinion, entertain, and live the experience with all of you. If I could feel that obligation, then there's no reason why those, those others can't, and they should. And if they don't, they shouldn't be in the position. That's my opinion. You don't like it. You want to be mad at me. You want to email me. You want to say I'm a jerk. That's fine. It's not the first time I've been told that. It won't be the last. Maybe for 2022, it'll be the last time. Anyway, look, take a deep breath. Get off the Twitter. Get off the, the, the news feed. This is probably going to happen. Not 100%, probably going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen until after the ball drops. And it may not happen until Monday. And I know that's going to drive you bananas. Monday, Tuesday, I'm like, oh, I can't handle this anymore. Well, you're going to have to. That's be, a, be an adult. That's what adult things are. This is, a, this is big adult, big-time transactions. This is not fantasy baseball. So I want to thank everybody for another great year of Talking Mets podcast interaction. The, the show, again, has grown, and I'm not just telling you that. Every year, from the days of the Metsmerized Online uh, situation to when we parted ways, and every year growing with the fan-sided team, Red Circle Media now, the, the interaction and feedback has been outstanding. I'm continuing to look at ways to grow. But the one thing you know about me, I don't try to do things all at once. I used to try to do everything and do everything a lot of things okay and nothing really well when I started this business. Now I try to master things because if I don't feel I've mastered the key core components of the experience of Talking Mets podcast and then add other things that take away from the key core component, I'm not doing you justice. And the one thing I've always said and why I'm very humbled about the interaction and the relationship that we all have is that you are dedicating time. You could click in and out of an article. I say this all the time. And if it's 35, 40, two minutes of your life, five minutes of your life that was wasted with garbage, you're upset, but it's not the end of the world. You waste your time with the you know 60 to 70 minutes, even if it's once a week, there's a lot of things you could be doing with that time. And you won't. Eventually, it'll be, hey, I'm not even going to pay attention to this guy. So I'm very humbled. Have a happy new year. Thank you for everything that you do to patronize this show. Uh, good feedback, bad feedback, good reviews, bad reviews, please leave a review. And look at it. It's over 30 minutes here on a Friday morning before New Year's Eve. I said I was going to only be here a short time, and I almost did a full show. Well, not a full show, half of a show. So anyway, all right. I want to thank everybody for joining in to the Talking Mets podcast, this Carlos Correa. What's up with Carlos Correa edition of the show? You can check me out all the time at the thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G. Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy your new year. Stay safe. Be well. We'll be back with another podcast after January 1st holiday. 2023 is the next stop. Till then, take care, everybody. Peace.